this is bittersweet Sunday because uh, I know it's, I don't think it's your last Sunday, but it is uh, the oppor- last opportunity we had. And so this morning, many of you know that Scott and I have been friends for many years. Um, I stood up with him at their wedding, and uh, we've been friends, and we were blessed that they moved to Sioux Falls and hung out with us for a while, and we've been so joyed to have them with us. And many of you know they're moving to Oklahoma. Jobs change and life happens, and they're going back to the warm country so they don't have to freeze to death for another winter. And uh, we're sad to see them go, but he's ministered many times, several times while he's been here, and I asked him if he would like a chance to share one more time before he goes. And uh, So Scott, come minister the word to us this morning. We so appreciate you and Sarah and love you guys. It's not easy, let me say that to you, because you have become family to us. You've become great friends. These two sitting on this front row, you are blessed because we are too. The friendship is a lifetime. And, uh, you know, sometimes things happen. You, uh, you just keep going and see what God does next. God's got great things in store for you. Just so you know that. We believe that with all our heart. You might look around and go, well, it, you know, what about this or what about that? And we're going to talk about this and what about that? Um, six weeks ago, my job changed. A week after, God opened a door and we walked through that week in our connect group, we were talking about trust. Oh, wow. Um, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. This is, oh, this is going to, you're, you're going to have to do something here, God. So we started talking about trust. Pastor sent me a text and said, hey, would you preach one more time? And I'd be honored to preach one more time. So God was working on my heart with that message. And things have, you know, you, you're, we're packing. Um, I'm working f- remotely so I'm in my, in my office all day long and pack, and we're doing all of these different things and our boys have been a great blessing to us coming over and, and helping us and, and packing different things. And um, uh, Brett and Daniela came one day and they helped us move some stuff and we did all, all these little things that are going on and, well, God, we kind of need a house. It's like, no worries, I got that. 
we got to sell this one too. Eh, done it in two days. Found it the next Saturday we found that house. They're taking care, it's a brand new build that God has blessed us with. Wasn't looking for that. And then parents kind of got sick. Kind of weighs on you. Because you're realizing that they're not as young as they used to be because I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, you know, when you have a 10-year-old grandson, it's pretty soon you're going, hmm, guess I'm just a little bit older. There's a lot more gray in this beard than when I got married. Matter of fact, there wasn't any gray in this beard when we got married. It was nice and big and full and dark, and I had a something called hair on the top of my head. So in the back of your bulletin this morning, it said, when God gives you more. I forgot to add some words. And it wasn't Marlis's fault, it was mine. Actually, it was on purpose. I can't see. Do you have the first slide up? So, hit the second part, Josh. What's it say? Hmm. When God gives me more than I can handle. How many of you have ever moved? How many of you have moved across multiple states? How many of you know that there's a lot of little things that have to go on to do that as well as the stress of life and this and that and the other thing. And we began the other day and, and it started with one phone call and then another and then text messages and back and forth and family things. And we were just becoming overwhelmed. And he said, do you remember that message that you're preaching on Sunday? I go, yeah. He said, guess what? You're going to live it. It's okay, because, and we're going to see this here in just a little bit, we, we've all heard this phrase, God give, won't give you more than you can handle. It's a lie. We may have even made that statement ourselves. I know I have, because we, we felt we could hang on. We can do it ourselves. I'm... I am capable of this. We started looking and we're packing and we've got, you know, we've, we've had some help and things like that. And we're going, you know, when we get to Oklahoma, we're not going to have any help. Friday, we made a phone call. I sent multiple texts to various pastors that we've had in Oklahoma as well as Pastor Todd and his was probably a little bit more funny than the others that I sent. I said, you know, I said I we're reaching out to this church. I'd like to I'm going to use your name if that's okay and you can give them a reference and you can tell them how ornery we were and how much trouble we've caused. 
And uh, about half an hour later, that pastor at that church called me. He said, do you got time? Or he sent me a text. He said, do you have time to talk? I said, absolutely. I said, I want to tell you who we are before you get there. And, and we'd, we'd like to become part of your church. We talked, and he was very excited. He was like, yeah, great. Uh, we're a church of about 75 to about 90. Hmm, sounds familiar. We come to church, and we leave his family, is their motto. Hmm. It's Okay. Yesterday morning, Sarah said, oh, I had an amazing dream. I said, you did? I said, you got to tell me. She said, I dreamt we showed up to, to the house in Collinsville. And there were all these people there to help us. I said, I'll accept that dream. That's an amazing dream. I said, we'll just pray that God would do that. We were over visiting her siblings and parents yesterday at the farm, and I received a text from that pastor. He said, hey, Scott, would you fill out this form for us? I said, I looked at it, and it said, assistance needed, moving, what day, where at, what location, we filled it out. We sent it back. And he said, he said, here's the thing. He said, we feel that, you know, even though we haven't met physically, we've already met and you're part of our family and we're going to show you that. And he said, do you need the yard mode? Do you need, uh, you know, what other help do you need? We'll, we'll be there to help you. God gives us more than we can handle because with all the things that are going on with our family right now, and parents, it's very difficult, and we're moving nine hours away from each of them. And it's, you know, you can't just hop on an air. You can hop on an airplane, but you still got to, you know, you you've got the layovers and you got this, that, the other thing. You can drive. It's going to be nine hours. Period. pressure, the, the stress of all of that, it was starting to get to us, and God showed us yesterday that He's in control. So often, we, we try to quote the verse in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there's no temptation, you know, that has overtaken you except which is common to man and God is faithful he'll not let you be tempted but and we try to use that in understanding what we that God is you know he, he's not going to give me more than I can handle but that's talking about temptations we miss the fact that a trial and a temptation are not the same we miss that this verse is talking about temptation and how God will provide a way out we make and, and we make this statement and you wonder, well, what's the matter with me? What, what, what is wrong with me that all this, this is going on? I must have done something wrong. Why am I feeling defeated? Why am I overwhelmed? Why am I ready to give up? God, you must be seeing this. 
Why are you not doing anything about it? Can anyone relate to me with that statement? I related to me this week. I wrote this two weeks ago. I had no idea what was going to happen over this last week. And then this morning, so yesterday, last night, I, I opened up the Connect and, and downloaded everything, and I started reading it, and it said, God is in control. Oh, God. You just hit me right between the eyes with a two-by-four. He reminded me again that he is in control. You see, I love this word. I love this so much. I, I, I was tempted to do something. I kind of held back. But I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but pastor said, you know, there are places that all they have is just a little piece of this. And I was going to tear a piece out of my Bible or tear a piece out of a Bible, but some people might be upset with that, and I understand. But if that's all you've got, you hang on to what you have. You have got to immerse yourself in this every day. I'm not saying that just because, you're, Scott, you're a preacher. No, I'm not. God's just given me a gift to speak to you and, and to share his word with you. I'm not a pastor. That's him. Todd's the pastor. He's got a heart for you because when you break, he breaks. When you hurt, he hurts. That's a pastor. I'm just like you. I'm just called alongside of him to lift him up, to be a, a mo, you know, where, where Moses had to lift his arms, it was Aaron and her that stood beside him. That's who I need to be to him. He needs someone else to walk beside him and do that same thing. So men, I, I, not that ladies, you can't, not that ladies can't do this, but men, you walk beside him. I'm challenging you today. You walk beside him and you lift up his arms and you hold him up that when he's exhausted that you keep lifting him up. I fast and pray for him every week. Not because of that, but because of this is what the scripture tells me to do that I am to pray for my pastor. Get into this word. Because when you get into this, I need to quote it to myself. I need to remind myself that I'm not capable, but he is. And God's okay with me grappling with that on a daily basis. God doesn't tempt you, but he allows the testing to occur to build your faith. All right. So that's our opening. Are you ready? Turn with me to Judges chapter 7. 
Pastor just preached on this a couple weeks ago, but something stood out to me, and I had to say it again. I had to go back. So it, I, I, I don't know why, but maybe this is for you. Maybe this is for me. Probably more me than you. But let's, let's look at this together. Would you stand as we look through this? I'm reading from the New International Version this morning. Starting in verse 1, early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The God said to Gideon, you have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into your hands or Israel would boast against me and say that my strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who's trembling with fear... Turn back and go home. Leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 were there. But the Lord said to Gideon, you still have too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you. For I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a, as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of, of them drank from cup hands, lapping like a dog. All the rest of them got on their knees to drink. Then the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give you the Midianites in your hands. Let all the others go home. Verse 8, so Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300. Jump down to verse 12. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Jump down to verse 22. When the 300 trumpets sounded. The Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their sword. The, the army fled to Beth Shiada towards Zerah as far as the border of Abel, Melo, near Tabith. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent the messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the water of the Jordan ahead of them. So the, the men of Ephraim were called out. They seized the water of the Jordan as far as Beth Bera. They also captured two Midianite leaders. They killed them. They pursued the Midianites and brought their heads to Gideon, who was by Jordan. Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning to know that you will give us more than we can handle but you are God. Amen. You can be seated. The first thing that we see is that our faith needs to grow. Boy, that got quiet. Hold on, let me... Did I read that right? Our faith needs to grow. In chapter 6, Gideon was having a conversation with God. We remember it well. 
Um, Gideon said to God, if you uh, will save Israel as, as you've promised, then I'm going to put this wool fleece out here. So one day, the, he said, well, and, and, you know, make the wool wet and the ground dry. God did it. The next day, he said, well, okay, well, and maybe I got these backwards, but I'm just paraphrasing this real fast, is that the next day, make the ground wet and the wool dry. God did it twice. God The first thing he said was, if. If is one of those words that we need to remove from our vocabulary. You say, well, that doesn't... Do you have faith in God? Then why do you ask him if? Why do we ask him if? God told Israel to take the land. Ten spies came back with excuses. Two saw what God had in store for Israel. Noah could have said, what is a boat? And uh, what is rain? Jonah allowed his personal preferences to overtake him instead of doing what God wanted him to do, and he was swallowed by a fish. When we were first introduced to Jesus, we learned some basic lessons. Number one, we were sinners. We could not get into heaven with our sin. You can't be good enough to do it. Jesus Christ came and he died for our sins, shedding his perfect blood. Everything we knew or we know about God, we've had to learn little by little. We've learned how to trust Him. Our baby faith grew and needed to mature. And one of the best ways to grow our faith is through this word and putting it to the test to see if it's true. Is this true? Why? Why? Have you seen this to be true? How many times? Is this true? This is God's Word. He wrote it to you as a love letter. He wants you to know Him. Did David just go out and fight Goliath? He had to go through some trials and through some testing. Started as a shepherd out in the middle of the field. And do you think God sent a bear to him the first time? No. Maybe it was a coyote. Something small. And David's faith grew to trust God. 
Gideon put out his fleeces and, and, and God did the impossible. He went to battle with 32,000 men. But I got to go back and look at that again. Because in verse 12, it said that the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled into the valley thick as locusts. And their camels were like the sand on the seashore, unnumberable. Okay, so let me get this picture right. You've got this entire group that God says to Gideon, you need to get them out of there. <coughs> Gideon says, okay, and he has 32,000 men against counted as locusts. That's just beyond number. How many of you have warm fuzzies now? You're Gideon. Put yourself in Gideon's shoes. Are you ready to take that step? Um, okay, I got 32,000. That's all I could get, God. Uh, okay, I saw you do the fleece twice. I'm, okay, I, I'm ready. Gideon. Yeah, you got too many guys. Um, can you say that again? I have too many men? You got too many guys. <sighs> okay. So how do I separate them? Those that are scared, send them home. Ooh, 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 me, 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 me. I'm ready. Let's go. I, you know, there's locusts. You know, they're counted as locusts over there. I'm going this way. I'm done. Goodbye. I'm scared. 10,000 of them said, all right, we can do this. I don't know where you're all getting your faith, but man, that's you did your ten thousand. You twenty-two thousand went this way. You've only got ten. You're okay. Let's see what happens. You have too many men. Excuse me. Wait a minute. You just you just sent twenty-two thousand home. How do I have too many? Take them down to the river. I'll send them. I'll sort them out for you. Nine thousand seven hundred are now sent home. That's um. God separated them. What was Gideon's response? Okay, let's go. Our faith needs to grow. That we would trust God with 300 against an army 
that's counted as locust. Everything's not perfect. You're being, right now, you might be facing that locust. Camels that are numbered like the sands on the seashore. Put it into today's terms. I've got bills up to here. I've I've got this much to do and I've got this much time to do it. I've, I've, I've got this going and that going and this person's needing me and that person and this is happening and God, I'm overwhelmed. I just can't... It's okay. God's got this. Let your faith grow. Number two. <clears throat> Our reliance needs to die. At the beginning of the scripture, we, we learned about how, how we like to go on our own ways. We lived in the world. We wanted to be our own person. We fell. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Anyone ever had that? <clears throat> I can do it, God. I don't need anybody else. I can move that piano by myself. No, you can't. I probably can. Do I want to? Nope. But this is contrary to what we learn in the Scripture. The Bible was very plain. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of you could probably quote it, especially if I started off. It says... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, submit or acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. We're to lean on Him and not our abilities. If I do me, and if I trust me, I'm going to fail. In the natural, Gideon had no chance. Zero. 300 men against that army? Come on. Stop looking at yourself to to solve those things that only God can solve. Stop looking at yourself to do those things that only God can do. The Apostle Paul told us to die to self daily. Number three, we need to learn about God's character. How do I learn about God's character? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You see, throughout the Scriptures... 
there are different names of God. I'm not going to, we're going to go through them. Just, I, I, I can't see that screen back there, just so you all know. But slide number one, Yahweh, Adonai, the self-existent one. God is Lord over all. Put the next one up, Josh. The Lord is your sanctifier. He forgives your sins. The Lord is my shepherd. He cares for you. The next one, the Lord is present. He never leaves you. God is your healer. The next one, the Lord is your righteousness. The Lord will provide. The Lord is your banner. The Lord is your peace. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the God that, uh, of recompense. He's that we don't have to worry about it. God's going to take care of it for us. The next one, He is our creator, powerful and mighty. He is the most high God. He is a mighty God, the, the, the one that is mighty to save. He's the everlasting God. He is eternal. The strong one who sees. God Almighty, the, God, the mighty one of Jacob, the God who gave birth. He's the creator, the God of knowledge, the wisdom that comes from him. He is the ancient of days. Okay. I gave you that big giant list that's out on the internet. You can, you can download the sermon. I can send it pastor. He can give you that list. But I want you to look and I want you to say to yourself, which one of those do I need today? Which part of God's character am I crying out for? You see, this week, we were crying out. We were crying out that God would be our peace. God, that you would provide. God, that you would be the healer. God, that you would be our shepherd. And as we cried out to him, he showed himself faithful. He showed, him, he showed us who he was. Everything just... When you're in the midst of a move and everything like that, guess what? All little things seem to be this big. When you're in the midst of whatever it is you're going through, <clears throat> the littlest thing starts to add up. It's been a while since I've been able to lift weights because of having that foot, you know, the first month here, I had to have foot surgery, which was amazing. I haven't been able to get underneath a squat bar or anything like that because I can't put that much pressure on that foot. But before that, I was squatting three, four, five hundred pounds. It wasn't a big deal. I'd leg press a thousand. It's not a big deal. I can hold that much. My body, my legs are strong. I can hold that. <clears throat> I can do it, but add a little bit more and I can't do it. You go to that next level and just 
25 pounds, I can't do it. You're thinking, well, 25 pounds, that's not a lot. Well, if you've got 750 pounds on your machine and you add another 25, pretty soon you're talking some more weight. It kind of hurts. Life starts to add up. And all the little things of life start to add up. And they become weights and they're starting to weigh you down and they're dragging you down. And the more you go, you're going, I did I don't know if I can do this anymore. You're right, you can't. That's a great place to be. Because of all the names of God. Because of who He is. His character says that He's the one. Stop relying on yourself. Find out who God is. How do I find out who God is? I get a hold of this on a daily basis. And I don't just read and say, okay, well, uh, all right, there I am. I'm reading right here. I'm going to read from Jeremiah, and I'm going to do this number. No. Get a plan, sit down, and then grab hold of this, and then study what that meant. We talked about Jeremiah today and what his, what his purpose was. His purpose was to call back a, a nation that had walked away. How do we know that? Well, that's because we have studied this. I've got to get into the... Didn't we have someone that said that we... I can't remember who it was. I, I probably wrote it in one of my Bibles. we got to get into the Word until the Word gets in us. Because church, there's coming a day when you may not have even one page of this. say, Scott, well, that's kind of, no, that's the truth. There may be a day that you're not going to say that you're going to be able to see this, this scripture. You see any of this. You say, what? Go to Matthew chapter 25. There's a story in there right at the very beginning. It's talking about the ten virgins and how... Five of them had, or all of them had lamps. The first, the first five had not only had enough oil in their lamp, but they had extra. It was overflowing. But the other five just had enough. And all of a sudden, the lamps started going out. The trumpet was sounding. They're like, give us some of your oil. We need what you have. They're like, no, you're going to have to go and get it. You're going to have to go buy it. Well, it was a picture of Christ in the church. And it was a picture that we have to have the Holy Spirit pouring out of our lives. We need His presence in us so much that it overflows on a daily basis. You cannot wait for tomorrow. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit today. Church. Church, listen. 
It's not enough to come and play church every Sunday. It's not enough to come and just sit in here and not do anything. It is time that the church mobilize and get the power of the Holy Spirit to come into their heart and overflow in their lives and go out and tell this lost and dying world that there is hope. This world is trying to do everything on their own. Church, you have the greatest hope that there is. You cannot. You've got to share it. You've got to share it so that there, they come and they have a lamp and then it is overflowing with the power of Holy Spirit. We are going to miss and hopefully not miss too long. But being here with you and seeing the freedom that you have in worship. Seeing the freedom that you have in letting God be God. The fifth thing is when we know that God gives us more than we can handle, God will get the glory. It's not about Pastor Todd. It's not going to see... I can tell you this because I've known him long enough. He's not going to stand up here and go, did you see how many people I had in service on Sunday? He's going to say, God is doing great things in this church. Come and join us. Let me ask you this question. How many of you in your wildest dreams thought that God would start a Hispanic church? Anyone? No? Pastor sitting there on the front row going, nope, not me either. But you know what? When we get out of the way and we have faith to God that He's going to touch and change this community, He's going to bring and do what He needs to do. And we give God the glory. He gets it. It's not pastor. It wasn't the church board. It wasn't you. It was God. God did something He brought a family from another country and planted them here in Sioux Falls. They sat right over here. And on Sunday nights or Saturday nights, God is doing phenomenal things. What was it? 25 adults, 20 adults, and 28 kids and growing? Hmm. 50 people. How many of you could have touched that group? I can't, because I can't speak Spanish. God puts those people in here whom He can use, and He gets the glory. 
when Jesus was faced with certain death, he said, it's not, God, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, but thine be done. When you're with someone that's struggling, be with them. Don't tell them that God will never give them more than they can handle. Because if that was true, then we wouldn't need God at all. And we do. We need Him every single day. Isaiah 55, verses 6-9 through says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him when He is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. And He will have mercy on him. And our God, for He is abund- He will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than yours. Church, you have an opportunity. God's going to give you more than you can handle. And if, he, if, it, and if you're not at that point now, you will be. Maybe it's not today. Maybe it's not tomorrow. Maybe it's a couple weeks from now. And you're going to be sitting there and you're going to go, you know, I remember Scott saying that. What did he say? I said, you need to have faith. You need to get out of yourself. You need to learn who God is. You need to get ready today and let God give the glory. Calvary Assembly, you are called for such a time as this. You are called with a purpose that God has given to you. Do not, I'm going to say that again, do not miss that opportunity. Don't say, well, someone else will do it. Someone else can cover this, or I can, this can be, don't. You have an opportunity to touch a city of 200,000. Do it. Do not be afraid. God did not give us a fear, uh, a fear, but boldness because of His Holy Spirit. Gideon was not afraid. He went forward. And he went against an army that numbered as locusts with 300 men. And all he and his men did was blow trumpets and the word or the, the sword of God took care of the rest. Blow the trumpet, church. Blow the trumpet. Go forward. Pastor. Pastor.